The views, opinions, and comments expressed by hosts, guests, and callers of this show are not necessarily those of this station, its parent company, Telesouth Media, its staff, management, or advertisers. Content of this broadcast cannot be duplicated or used in any way without the express written consent of Telesouth Media Incorporated. Now, join us for Advisors Roundtable with your hosts, certified financial planners, Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus. It's professional advice for your life. Welcome to the Advisors Roundtable, certified financial planners, Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus with you right here on Super Talk Radio. So, Bubba, um, you ever heard anybody come in your office and they've fallen victim to a money myth? Like, all debt is bad. And it's normal for people to have a lot of debt. Uh, you know, are we less aware than we should be? And, and I'm talking about money. Here. Well, so is it that or is it people trying to justify what they have going on in their lives, right? That could be true. Yeah, no. but I think there are a number of myths out there sure. that are just promulgated that, mm-hmm. you know, a number of, People, you know, say things like, I'm 22 years old. Don't talk to me about retirement savings. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about this one? Well, when do you start, right? When should you start? Is it age start? 32? Is it age 42? Is it age 50? At age 62, it's too late. Yeah, yeah. How about this? The more money I have, the more happy I'll be. Uh, yeah, I hear that one a lot, but that's n- not normally the case. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the most common money myth that you run into? Hmm. I'd have to give that some thought. Yeah. Well, you know, probably along those lines, right? The more money I have, the happier I'll be. mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's one. I'll never have a lot of money because I don't have Mm -hmm. anything to start with. Yeah, I hear that one quite a bit, too. So what if you started small? Well, and, and and we say this all the time, you know, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I, I can't tell you how many times on this program, uh, I tell, uh, you know, the listeners out there do something, right. Mm. Don't, mm-hmm. don't just sit around with any inaction, mm-hmm. do something. Mm-hmm. And if it's starting at, you know, saving $5 a week, mm-hmm. that's something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If it's starting at saving $500 a week, that's something. Right. Yeah. And you're not going to make any progress at all mm-hmm. just sitting and wallowing right. in you know your inaction mm-hmm. or the fact you have nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, first day of, uh, I think it was finance class. I don't think this was an economics class, but the first day of one of the classes, my professor said, if you save money, you always have money. Mm-hmm. And that stuck with me. Now, he didn't say you need to save a million dollars every year or you need to be able to mm-hmm. save $10,000 every month. He just said simply right. save. Mm-hmm. Saving a couple dollars can make a difference yeah. in a yeah. couple weeks, right? Absolutely. So, you know, if you if you think, I don't have any money at all. I mm-hmm. never have any money. I see individuals from time to time, and, and I, I'm not overgeneralized here, but uh, there are individuals who are savers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And individuals who are spenders. And right. I'm, I'm going to take it to two extremes, right? Okay. So the savers that I see, I, I think they're very methodical in what they do, but then they get to a point where they almost uh, uh, reach this, I, I, don't, I don't know, 
pinnacle where they're saving so much that they never want to spend anything. Mm-hmm. So they're they're in this savings mindset where they'll never, I mean. Like it's part of their DNA. It's part of their DNA and they're saving, 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 and they don't know how to spend money, uh-huh. right? Yeah. And then I see other individuals who are spending, 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 and they don't know how to save any money, <laughs> right? Right. So there, there is a median right yeah, there that yeah. you've got to, to reach mm-hmm. and, and be comfortable with. Yeah. Because yeah. if you're one of those people that, you know, you're into saving, and, mm-hmm. and, and that's great. God bless you. But sometimes you need to spend a little. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, you, you need to go on a trip. Sometimes right. you need to fix the porch. <laughs> Sometimes mm-hmm. you need trade, trade right. cards. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you're, you're not going to end up in the bad place if you write a check every now and then. Right. But on the other hand. Or if you use a credit card every ooh, now and again. Right. That, so uh, uh, That's uh, blasphemy. It's, yeah. Huh? Almost. Right. <laughs> right. But if you can manage that mm-hmm. credit card, mm-hmm. you use your credit card, you get whatever points you're going to have, and then you pay it off at the end of the month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's okay. You see that as a tool, you say, a lot yeah, of times. I do. Right. If you can manage it. If yeah. you can. Now, some but like can. with any tool, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like a skill saw. Mm-hmm. If, if you know how to use a skill saw, you can build some things, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't, you can cut some fingers stay off. Stay away, yeah. right? right. And, and some people do need to stay away from debt and credit mm-hmm. cards and the ease of that because they know themselves. Mm-hmm. Other people can see it as a tool. So it's not necessarily a tried and true axiom that you need to live by, you know, don't use credit cards. Correct. Because your brother-in-law may be able to. Mm-hmm. Um, here's one. All rich people live in big houses, drive nice cars, wear, wear expensive clothes, and go on expensive vacations. All the rich yep. people do. Mm-hmm. Do you know some rich people that don't live in big houses? I, I would say um, the majority of the rich or wealthy people that I know do not live in big Big fancy houses, the and, most expensive and, house, yeah, in the drive county. the flashy cars, right? Right. Um, now, that's not to say that some wealthy people do live in houses like that, and the mm-hmm. houses that these individuals live in are nice, mm-hmm. you know, but they're mm-hmm. they're adequate for their needs, right? Okay. So, um, yeah, I think that's uh, probably one of those, uh, uh, you know, ideas that people get in their mind. Yeah, and I think mm-hmm. a lot of times, like on television and movies, mm-hmm. when they're going to show you a rich person, mm-hmm. they automatically show them at a really swanky house driving yeah. a Bentley. Yeah, I mean, and immediately people's minds go straight to the Clampets, right? <laughs> you know? Right. And and they moved to, to Beverly, Hills. Beverly Hills, right? Right. right. Because right. they thought that's what rich people are supposed to do, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and but I, there are rich people in your church that you have no idea they're rich. Uh, you know, and and the individuals I think that are wealthy um, are very unassuming, right? Mm, many are. You know, and yeah. they're they're gonna they're gonna be driving a pickup truck mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. you know a, a modest vehicle. Now, mm-hmm. you know, the, from time to time they're gonna go on a nice vacation, mm-hmm. but they're not doing it every month. No, you know, no, exactly. And and overwhelmingly, uh, what I see with wealthy individuals. Uh, especially who are modest in that way, is that they're much uh, much more prone or apt to be givers, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Givers of their time, givers of their money to churches or charities and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 
And again, I think it's because they have it to give. Well, it's all that, that old principle of the yeah. millionaire next door. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. There are many of those and they don't live up to some kind of media imagery mm-hmm. or whatever. We're going to take a break here. We're going to continue with this discussion related to money myths. And hopefully we can break some of those for you and dispel some of them from the Advisors Roundtable on Supertalk. Thanks for being with us at the Advisors Roundtable. Certified financial planners, Bubba Labus, and yours truly, Greg Cooley, with you. And so uh, we started this show out talking about some money myths that uh, many people may have heard and may even believe. Here's one. Hey, Bubba, if I have more money, I'm going to automatically have more security. Mm-hmm. I'm going to feel more secure. Now, will money help you feel secure i think it will okay right right so um having money uh does bring a sort of security to you right 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 but i don't think that's the only security that you'll have with having money so uh so you know you can have a you know a big pile of money in your bank account you can have investment accounts that sort of thing Mm -hmm. and and i'm just relating to uh something that you you shared with me yesterday about a uh, an individual Mm -hmm. who uh who i think has a fair amount of money saved right Mm -hmm. uh in retirement that sort of thing Mm -hmm. uh but even with that fair amount of money that has been saved for this individual Mm -hmm. over the last year we've seen a, a tremendous decline in the stock market okay and right, even right. having yeah. the money mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. even after the decline in the stock market and the decline in the amount of money that this individual had mm-hmm. there was still this feeling of insecurity about the money that he did have so let's just use uh, and, and i remember mm-hmm. that conversation with you i remember the conversation with that client mm-hmm. and that friend um this part of the world if you have a million dollars right not net worth, because you could have a million dollar net worth, but it could be tied up in your mm-hmm. house, or it could be tied up in some timberland. But I'm talking about a million dollars, either in the bank or at eight, TD Ameritrade or right. someplace like mm-hmm. that. You got a million dollars you can get your hands on. And that's pretty impressive. It's very impressive. I mean, people in this part of the world, a million dollars. Well, and, and, you know, what do people strive for? They want to be a millionaire. Yeah. You know? Yeah. All your life you've heard, one day I'm going to be a millionaire. Now, if you're 20 years old and you Mm -hmm. got a million dollars, I mean, yeah, that's an impressive Mm -hmm. amount of money, but uh, you better watch it. Exactly. Because you can spend a million dollars this afternoon on easily a, on a couple yeah. cars and a house and mm-hmm. some furniture and right. you know, a Rolex and it'll be gone. Right. And so, yeah, a million dollars is a lot mm-hmm. of money, but it's according to where you are in life. Now, this person we're talking about is somebody who's over 70. Over 70. Yeah. Got no debts. Mm-hmm. And a million dollars. Right. But... He didn't feel secure. Did not feel secure. So what were the reason, reasons that he didn't feel secure, right? right? Or the feelings of insecurity. Right. Well, number one, you look at your uh, investment accounts, and you were riding on a high in 2021. Oh, yeah. And then all of a sudden, 2022 hits, uh-huh. and it's going down. Mm-hmm. You got taxes that you got to pay in 2022 from 2021. Oh, yeah. It's a double whammy. Double whammy. Right. And then the summer hits, and it keeps going down. Mm-hmm. And then the fall hits, and it's like, will this ever stop? You right. know. And in the meantime, you still have expenses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You Absolutely. know, they, those don't go away just because mm-hmm. the stock market goes up or down. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. 
So you had a great 2021, mm-hmm. and so when do you pay the taxes for everything that happened in 2021? And 2022. And 2022. Mm-hmm. And you get ready to write all those checks and the accounts you're yeah. taking it out of. And you look at what was your million-dollar account. Mm-hmm. Now it's a nine. nine yeah, $900,000 yeah. or 850 whatever the number is, right? Yeah, yeah. And so you can see where uh, that could be intimidating. Mm-hmm. It, it could... Well, it, it could address this myth of you think you got security mm-hmm. if you got money. Because what does that pile of money represent, right? Yes. And I've talked about this time and time again. Mm-hmm. Uh, that pile of money represents an income stream. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that income stream, say it was forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 on that on an mm-hmm. annual basis, now has gone down to thirty to $40,000 on an annual basis. Mm-hmm. Generally, right? Mm-hmm. 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 So you see an income stream that's cut as well as your investment uh, uh, balances uh, cut as well, mm-hmm. uh, and you've paid taxes on it, mm-hmm. and the market keeps going down. It can it can create these tremendous feelings of insecurity. And I really think this statement is true related to money and security. Uh, financial security is less a measure of how much money you have than it is how well you understand and use the money you have. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Because this guy, yeah, he's over age 70, and maybe his accounts went down six figures, over right. 100 grand. Sure. Um, but he's lived through years where it went up that much it, or more. Well, 2021 was a great example. So his understanding yeah. of that, should tell mm-hmm. him, hey man, just 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 reevaluate, yeah. Yeah. breathe a little mm-hmm. bit, and but there are so many other uh, outside factors that creep into that, right? Oh, really? Well, he's another year older, uh, right? Um, in this case, family members uh, that he have has have uh, health concerns, mm-hmm. right? So you've got all these outside, and you know you're bombarded every single day. By news media saying, oh, you Dow know, it's the end of times, you know, get ready. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And all of those are factors that mm-hmm. will affect your security. It's not necessarily the money, the pile of money, but it's all these other psychological and social and mm-hmm. economic factors that can affect you. So it's not necessarily that more money will bring you security. It's how you understand it and how you use it right. that can um, make you feel like mm-hmm. you're secure. Um the other one, uh, one is that um, rich people are special. <laughs> well, are they? Is that a myth? Is it that rich people are special or mm. rich people get special treatment? Oh, see, that's the perception. Yeah. That makes you feel like they're special. Mm-hmm. So how do rich, pe- rich people get special treatment? Give me an example of that. Uh, well, I'll say it uh, this way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that uh, rich people are perceived to get special treatment, but it's not necessarily that they're getting special treatment. It's that they can probably afford uh, more. To, to pay for either more or in a more timely fashion the things that they want, right? Okay. So if you get ready to do a, a project at your house, right? Right. And I've got cash, and I'm ready to go, and I can write a check today. Or uh, you know, the the person down the road who's mm-hmm. got the same project says, 
well, I need to get quotes on this and I need to get things set up and I need to line this up so that I can save some money for this project. And I may be, you know, into June before I can start this project. And, you know, that's just one example, right? If you can stroke a check, you may have a little bit more mm-hmm. power. Is that what you're saying? And, Today. And, and because you can stroke a check, you may be able to give it a better price. Uh-huh. You know? You know, an individual comes to you and says, well, I'll do this job for, uh, you know, a thousand dollars. Well, I'll give you a check for 800 if you start today, uh-huh. you know? Right. Or I can hand you eight fins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. I'll give you 800 cash. Mm-hmm. And so from the outside looking in, it seems like you're special. Right. The guy's doing your project mm-hmm. over mine. You get your started faster than mm-hmm. I do maybe yours looks better than mine but that means that you know maybe because you got more money your wife can choose different materials Mm -hmm. or whatever is it just that that makes people feel like rich people are special or is there a certain uh resentment attitude perception of rich people that i have to feel like they are special. It, it, I don't know that it's a resentment. It may be a jealousy, though. Uh, a, a jealousy that could lead to resentment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Should we be resentful of people who are more fortunate? So I, I had this conversation uh, recently. We've got a, a, a new employee at our office mm-hmm. uh, who's about to graduate college. Mm-hmm. And, and his question to me was along the lines of what's the most fulfilling part of your day, yeah, right? Yeah. I think a pretty important question about are, why are you entering, why should I be considering entering this field, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. I don't know if we've got time to, to finish up this uh, here or not, but, yeah. um, you know, I, I talked about either the, the individual who just gets started saving money and is budgeting money mm-hmm. and not going into the hole every month. Mm-hmm. Or the individual who just sold their business for $20 million. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I get just as much joy and excitement for both of those individuals because I see the work that goes into uh, both scenarios, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Uh, The individual who uh, had to scrimp and begin saving $100 a month Mm -hmm. maybe even had to work a little bit harder than the individual who sold the big business. Who sold the big business, right? Right. Right. And maybe from your point of view. But the individual who sold the big business probably started saving $100 a month at one point. May have. You know? So, I mean, it. Mm-hmm. it yeah. And from your point of view, it's, that's fulfilling to be mm-hmm. able to help in both instances. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you have this sense of, uh, of accomplishment and pride, uh, not for yourself, but for them. Yes. Right? You're yeah. happy for them. You're, you're excited. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I guess my personal point of view is uh, if you've got an individual who's making those sacrifices to do certain things and then they accomplish something, Oh boy. uh, You know, that's one of the greatest feelings in the world. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like standing at the Mm -hmm. finish line of a 10 K and you know, that guy who lost 50 pounds Mm -hmm. over the last year put in so much effort and your, your heart just explodes Mm -hmm. for them when they accomplish that goal. And you know, here's the, Kid who weighs 140 pounds mm-hmm. and kicks it, you know, yeah. at six minute miles, right. uh, because he's got, you know, and God bless him, mm-hmm. but he's got natural talent, and you know, it, yeah. from your point of view, is is it the same sacrifice? Is it the same thing? Right. You know, do you feel that 
you know, you're in this with the other guy sure. because mm-hmm. you know his struggle and his journey. Uh, it's really cool, and uh, as you said, it can be fulfilling. I'm going to take another break here at the Advisors Roundtable and continue talking about the financial myths, the money myths that many of us are victim to. We appreciate you for being with us at the Advisors Roundtable. Certified financial planners, Cooley and Labus, with you right here on Super Talk Radio. And so, but we've been talking about these uh, these financial myths that uh, I think many times. Uh, we just almost accept as being axioms or being truths. Here's one that I think affects the number of people who have um, financial advisors and the number of people who have written financial plans. You know, we talked a few weeks ago about how we felt like it was a success. We had had a 10% increase in the surveyed people who said that uh, they had a written financial plan. It went from 30% of American mm-hmm. adults to 33%. It was it 33 or 32? And we were, it was yeah. 10%. Okay. It was a 10% yeah. increase. And I, we were feeling, man, mm-hmm. we're making progress here. Yeah. That still means 67% of the people do not have a written yeah. financial plan. I think one of the reasons that they don't have a written financial plan and they don't have financial advisors, specific mm-hmm. financial doctors involved in your yeah. life, trying to help you, is this particular axiom here. And that is, you shouldn't talk about money. So I've heard that a number of times. It's yeah. a, you know, is, is, is that almost a rule yeah. in people's houses that we're not going to talk about money? That, that's I a remember personal issue. very specifically being at a, a, a dinner one time, uh, one of my good friends and uh, with his parents, and uh, somehow or another, uh, something about politics came up. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Somebody made a comment, and the other one did not like the comment, Ooh. and you know I think tempers uh, were elevated to, a little it, bit. It right, started to flare there. Yeah, huh? uh-huh. and then uh, then his mother said, "Well, well, you know that's why uh, uh, my mother always told me never talk about money, politics, or religion at the table." Oh, really? To which I said, "Well, what are you going to talk about then? You know, <laughs> what else? Is- yeah, what yeah. else is there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. How are you going to have good conversation right. if you don't talk right. about money, politics, or religion? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. Um, why do you think many people, when they hear grandma say that, or they hear somebody else say, you shouldn't talk about your money, uh, your money problems, or talk, don't bring up yeah. money, don't, don't don't talk about, don't have a conversation about money? What, I, I think it? there are ways to have conversations about money that don't leave, uh, that don't necessarily divulge all the details. Okay. About money. All right. Right. So, uh, and even in our household, right, uh, I, I think that uh, we are able to have conversations about money, about savings, mm-hmm. even with young children, right? Um, we're in the process of moving houses right now. Okay. And we have told our children, hey, we're in the process of moving houses, et cetera, et cetera. We're not going to do a vacation this year. Right. And that's a, a, a deliberate decision that we've made, mm-hmm. and they're prepared for it, and they know that, hey, we're not going on vacation this year, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that sets boundaries, right. number one, and also sets expectations, mm-hmm. and also sets the ability and, uh, and the confidence for the children to know, hey, it's all right to say no to things sometimes. Uh, and I, many people don't know that they can't say no to things. Right, right. And that's part of the mm-hmm. control that you can 
uh, exhibit, mm-hmm. and that so many of us are are, are needing right. and wanting and mm-hmm. craving in our lives yeah. to be able to control things around yeah. us. Sometimes it's how, your ability to say no. How often do we know or hear of people who are waiting on their tax refund mm-hmm. to either pay off Christmas or to go on vacation? <laughs> A lot, yeah. It's it, it's Americana, man. Mm-hmm. It really is. Uh, in fact, uh, tax refund for a number of us is our savings plan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe you should talk through that with somebody and, and find out that there is another um, alternative. Right. There's a better way to do this. Because mm-hmm. what is a tax refund for many of us? Now, I understand the uh, earned income tax credit, and yeah. for, we're trying to help those who, who you know, didn't make as much money. But if you're, you know, you're making 50 grand a year and you're getting a big tax refund, mm-hmm. what is that? It's a return of your money. At no interest. At no interest. You're letting somebody else hold mm-hmm. it, in this case, Uncle Sam. Right. At no interest. Mm-hmm. So let's say you get a $5,000 tax refund. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that means that you paid in $80, $90, $100 too much mm-hmm. every week. Right. And what could that 80 or $90 have done for you? In your hands. In your hands. Or in your retirement plan. Mm. Yeah. So talking about money is one of the reasons you and I are here. Mm -hmm. Right? It's one of the reasons we do this radio show is to to tell people, you know, we're not obsessed with it. We just, it's one of the things Mm -hmm. we need to talk about. Because guess what? You do need to talk about religion and and politics too. Sure. And I think, I think that over time that uh, the, the subject of money has become less taboo. Mm. To talk about uh, now. Now, granted, you know, I, I don't know that I would go to, to lunch with Phil and just you know start spilling the beans. Phil, you know, I, I've got this terrible gambling problem, you know, <laughs> and I'm in debt, and yeah. you know, I, you may need to be selective with whom you yeah, talk. Right. right? <laughs> you know, if, you, if you're telling that to somebody, you probably need to not be talking to Phil. You probably need to be talking to a counselor, <laughs> or, counselor you know, right, right, preacher right, right. or financial advisor. Right. Right. You know. Right. Um, but I mean that being said, right? Or a bartender, you know, they're, you know, they're licensed to do that. Having a gambling problem mm. could be a major financial issue in your life. Why, of course it is. And if it's taboo to talk about those things, you're never going to get over. You're it. never going to get over it, and you're never going to address it, and never, never correct it. Yeah, because they're you know mm-hmm. gamblers anonymous right. and alcoholics anonymous and mm-hmm. uh, their entities such as the Foundation for Credit Counseling mm-hmm. and all those that are out there trying to help people right. talk about mm-hmm. their money. It ain't a bad thing to talk yeah. about your money if you talk about it correctly mm-hmm. uh, to the right people yeah. looking to improve. Get, getting back to that other uh, example about the individual that I got just as much pride out of, you know, who started saving a hundred dollars a week, mm-hmm. as opposed to the individual who sold their their business for ten million dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes talking about money to those individuals who have sold a business for ten million dollars mm-hmm. is beneficial to you. And why is that? Mm-hmm. Well, they've obviously some, or probably made some mistakes along the way. And if they can tell you the mistakes that they've made along the way and you apply those to your life, yeah. you know, maybe you don't make those mistakes. Uh, very good. Mm-hmm. Because quite actually, how else do you learn? Right. Or not necessarily mistakes or maybe some pointers or tips on things that they did do Successes. that would help them 
succeed, yeah. right? Yeah. So it goes both both ways. It can. Here's another money uh, myth I think many of us fall into from time to time, and and I think this is one of the probably um, most prevalent. All right, um, and that is it's always better to buy than rent. Okay. All right. Is it? What now? Are we? Should we seldom use the word always when it comes to finances? I, uh, aren't there exceptions just about it to everything? The only time that I like Im- imperatives is when you're having a heated discussion with your spouse. <laughs> and you say, never will I ever do this again. Or you always do this or that, right? Oh, that's going to get you down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Those, are, one of the, those mm-hmm. are the times when you shouldn't use the word always. Correct. All right. Yeah. So in this case, it's always better to buy than it. To rent. I I disagree. Okay. Uh, So there are times when I think that renting is a a lot more um, economical and a lot more feasible uh, than than purchasing or owning a a home or a residence. When? Give me an example of when it's better to rent than own. Generally speaking, uh, when you're in times of transition or you don't anticipate being anywhere for longer than five years. So is five years a pretty benchmark, run the numbers? Uh, Again, it's going to be uh, individualized. It could be three to seven. It could be three to seven. Right? But in your mind, if you know, you're know you right yeah. out of college. Mm-hmm. What about in college? Okay. Is it best to own a house uh, while you're in college? And talk your granddad into mm-hmm. going and buying a condo down there where I'm going to be three right. or four years mm-hmm. as opposed to paying rent? Well, you and I run the numbers, right. believe it or not, and we put a pencil to it um, on the with the old college rule paper mm-hmm. and and looked at it and um, break even numbers about seven to eight years. Right. Mm-hmm. If you're going to go down there and pay the closing mm-hmm. costs and pay the attorneys and pay yep. all the other overhead, somebody to survey mm-hmm. it and everything, and you know, put out yep. the cash and. That sort of thing, but I'm with saving. an assumed inflation rate yeah. on on the price of real estate, yeah, et cetera, I think et cetera. I'm saving rent, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not paying rent to yeah. some apartment complex mm-hmm. somewhere, right? Because in addition to all of those things we just in, uh, uh, mm-hmm. enumerated and delineated, you, you've got insurance, mm-hmm. you got taxes, you got maintenance, upkeep. Yep. You got to mow that grass or mm-hmm. pay somebody else yep. too. You got to you know have it a lawnmower mm-hmm. down there. There's a lot of things to think about. Instead of just making a really quick decision, I'm going to go down there and I ain't paying rent. Right. Rent's just throwing money mm-hmm. out the window. Yeah. Well, sometimes home ownership mm-hmm. can really stretch you, and maybe you need to put the pencil mm-hmm. to it. Um, and so, therefore, this myth, it's always better to yeah. buy than to rent. Well, and, and just the practical feasibility of it. Do you have enough for a down payment? Yeah. yeah. If you don't, it's yeah. not a good idea to buy. Yeah. And if you own it as mm-hmm. opposed to being the renter, you know, something breaks mm-hmm. and starts leaking, yeah. there ain't no landlord to call. <laughs> right. Right. So uh, up against another break at the Advisors Roundtable. Hang in there with us. We're going to continue to talk about money myths. Come back to the Advisors Roundtable. Certified financial planners Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus with you. Thanks for being with us on this day. That We're talking about common money myths. 
and um, maybe refuting some of them, at least addressing all of them that are on our list. I have about 12 or 15 of these. Here's one for you, Bubba. You have to be rich to invest. <laughs> so I hear this one, uh, or the, a derivation of it, uh, uh, more often than not. When I get some money, I'm going to come see you. Yeah, yeah. So let's address that. You know, if I do start mm-hmm. investing, am I going to have to learn some new words and the meaning of them? Capital gains, dividends, return on investment, uh, asset allocation. Uh, is it going? If, if I'm going to do this right, am, am I, is it going to be a requirement that I'm going to have to increase my vocabulary? Not a requirement, but it would be a good idea. Okay. Right. Uh, right. And and more likely than not, that though the new vocabulary that you're going to receive mm-hmm. is going to be attained or achieved over time. Mm-hmm. Right? So I don't have to learn all this the first day. You don't have to learn it all the first day. And, and not. You know, pretty pretty simple and easy. Okay. And I would tell any individual who gets ready to begin investing, is now the right time for you to invest. Okay. Right? All right. So we start with the basics. Okay. And before you get ready to invest, we're going to say, you know, do you have some other things in order first? Mm. Do you have a savings account? Okay. Right? Do you have an emergency fund? Okay. Are you contributing to your 401k or retirement plan through work? Which is a right? form of investing. Yeah. Have you covered catastrophes? Oh. You know, do you have a will in place? Do you have a power of attorney? Mm-hmm. Do you have life insurance? Mm-hmm. Do you have disability insurance? All right. So, so there's a number of other things that go along with this financial planning process, I think, mm-hmm. that, that are so important. And people immediately just jump right into the investments aspect that, of it. That's all they think you do. That's, that's all they think that you do, uh-huh. right? Right. And granted, that's a large component. And right. in many cases, that's how we monetize or, or we earn our fees and money on the things that we do. It's easier for people to pay through those kinds of accounts. Correct. Right? Yeah. Uh, ha- however, uh, most people or most individuals think that's all we do are the investments. Right. right. And granted, that is a, a big component of what we do, and we're very good at it. Mm-hmm. Right. But there are so many other things that you need to do from uh, from. I guess, a sequence of events that need to occur before you even begin investing. Right, right. And as you said, you don't have to go back to school. So don't be intimidated mm-hmm. by that. Yeah. You don't have to learn all this nomenclature and mm-hmm. all of this vocabulary the first day. And quite actually, I know some rich people yeah. <laughs> that, that yeah. don't know all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but don't let the fact that you don't have it yet keep you from trying to attain it. Mm-hmm. So therefore, as you indicated earlier, you as a professional can get just as much fulfillment out of helping somebody start. Yeah. Somebody who's putting $50 a month into a, a college education account for their children, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I get just as much enjoyment out of that. Or somebody who uh, you know starts doing a budget, right? Mm-hmm. So that they can have the $50 a month to invest. Yeah, yeah. Here's another money myth that goes mm-hmm. right along with that. And that is, uh, I have to have a high salary to be wealthy. Um, and and I, I don't think that's... And we, we did this on the show a couple of weeks ago about uh, what you would need in order to have a million dollars, right? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think it was... Uh, and and it, it wasn't like that was a, the number mm-hmm. that you came up with when we did the math. It wasn't like that number would have been the requirement of somebody making a half million dollars a year. Right. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, you could, if we watched our money mm-hmm. and it was a goal of ours and we budgeted for it, mm-hmm. you could have done it on the average salary of most Americans. That's right. Right? Mm-hmm. So you don't necessarily have to have a high salary to do this mm-hmm. and to be good at money management and to be wealthy. Uh, here's one. I can't improve my finances unless I work with uh, somebody who is a professional. Now, you can probably more likely improve your finances, mm-hmm. but can you do this on your own? I, I think that there are a number number of uh, places out there where you can get information today to do it on your own. Right. Now, you get to a point where uh, you get a, a little, uh, I guess, above your your knowledge and your expertise mm-hmm. and where you probably need an expert to help you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But initially, doing it on your own, uh, and, you know, we hear other people on, uh, you know, famous radio programs and, mm-hmm. and television programs, mm-hmm. it's pretty simple, you know? Start saving some money and put it into an S&P 500 fund. Mm-hmm. You know, that's mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. advice that I'm giving right, right now, but a lot of people give that advice. Mm-hmm. And it's a way to get invested and mm-hmm. begin the investing process. And over time, I think if you're interested in it, you can educate yourself on it. Right, right. Here's one that um, I had to address a couple days ago. Um, 65 is the legal retirement age. Mm-hmm. Where does that come from? Well, it comes from a couple of different places. Uh, so 65 is the age in, at which you're eligible for Medicare. Okay. So that's a, a big significant factor there. Mm-hmm. Uh, many retirement plans have a designated retirement age associated okay. with the plan. Okay. Sometimes the age is age 59. Sometimes it's age 62. Sometimes what does that it's age mean? 65. If my 401k yeah. designates mm-hmm. 65... Are they going to make me go home at 65? They are not. They're basically saying that there are certain things that you can do within the plan when you attain that age. Okay. In other words, if you're still working Mm -hmm. and you want to quit putting money into that plan and start withdrawing money, then you can do it at that age and still continue working. Oh, really? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, what if I want to, I have a pretty good balance in there. Can I roll some? You may be able to move it. Okay. While I'm still working. While you're still working. Okay. So is 60, well, there are a number, we talked about yeah. this before. There are a number of these significant ages right. and milestones. Mm-hmm. I wonder why 65 gets stuck in so many people's heads. I, you know, probably for the same reason that 62 gets stuck in many people's heads. All right. So what's about, what's the thing so about So age 62? 62, you're eligible for social security at a reduced rate. Okay. But it's early social security age. Okay. So, you know, a lot of people reach age 62 and they say, hey, you know what? I'm eligible for Social Security. I'm taking it to the house. Now, there are some professions mm-hmm. that mandate you go home at a certain age, right? There are, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like airline pilots and right. stuff like that? Yeah. And that's pretty yeah. um, understandable. Yeah. I, and, you know, even today you think, well, uh, what about physicians? Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Some physicians are required to take certain cognitive tests mm-hmm. when they reach a certain age in order to continue practicing. Right. So, but by and large, and we've spent a couple mm-hmm. minutes on this about it not necessarily being a legal uh, mandate mm-hmm. that you retire at a certain time. Um, but, and we're making the point that it's really flexible, it's, be- it's, it's right. based on you. Mm-hmm. It's based on your circumstances, how much you require in retirement, how much you've saved, how old you are. 
there are a lot of things that go into the question of retirement. That's right. Um, And one of them you brought up was this thing about health care and Medicare. Um, So here's another myth related to Medicare or a major issue related to Medicare. Um, Everybody gets Medicare. I guess that's associated with everybody gets Social Security. Right. Is everybody eligible for Medicare and Social Security? No, they're not. Really? Yeah. So, it, you know, even in the case of Social Security, you've mm-hmm. got to have 40 quarters worth of service. Okay, 40 quarters or four quarters in a year. You're talking 10 years. 10 years worth of work uh, history paying into the Social Security system. Oh, you put that last phrase in mm-hmm. there. Paying into the Social Security system. Mm-hmm. If I work for cash, right, or I work for an employer, or I have a series of employers, and they all ten ninety nine me, mm-hmm. um, are there a number of people walking around that haven't paid in enough quarters? Yes, there are. So they're not going to get all the benefits out of the Social Security. That's correct. It's not necessarily a law that everybody gets mm-hmm. equal treatment here, right? Correct. And Social Security mm-hmm. quarters and contributions and all that FICA and everything part of those sure. withholdings they take from my paycheck, mm-hmm. that's also associated with Medicare. That's right. So not all of us qualify for those things. Correct. And we need to be asking questions and planning mm-hmm. so that we do qualify and those things can benefit us mm-hmm. as we get to that retirement age that we're going to choose and hopefully will work out for us one of these right. days. Money myths. Money myths. There were a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. I probably have about 20 more on my yeah, list. Yeah, I'd say we could do, probably do another show. Yeah. <laughs> we may do that. Here from the Advisors Roundtable on Super Talk Radio. discussion and content expressed by the host of the Advisors Roundtable are intended to be received as news, educational, and entertainment or unit items and are not to be accepted by the listener as legal, investment, insurance, or tax advice. Opinions and views will be expressed by guests of the Advisors Roundtable and those opinions and views are those of the guests alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Advisors Roundtable host or any of its affiliated radio stations. All information provided is educational in nature and is not intended to be acted upon without first consulting the appropriately licensed professional of your choosing. Before acting upon any information obtained during an Advisor's Roundtable broadcast, an individual should understand matters are extremely tax-specific and require advice tailored to individual facts and needs. Certified financial planners Greg Cooley and Andrew Labus are registered representatives of S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated. Securities offered through S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC. Advisory services offered through Ignite Planners, LLC. Ignite Planners, LLC is not affiliated with S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated.